0: It is a very hot July 27th. I tried to find the temperature history for this day to see if it was a record, but I couldn't find it. So instead, I have some nice historical facts for our fans. There we go. Today is the anniversary of Robespierre's arrest.
1: Oh, dude, finally. I know. It's kind of big.
0: I never liked that guy. Um, It is also the anniversary of the defeat of Macbeth, King of Scotland. So there you go.
1: Wait, was he real? I guess so. <laughs> I don't think so. I think that's like, oh, today was Harry Potter's birthday.
0: <laughs> oh, it's also the anniversary of Vincent van Gogh's suicide. Oh, shit. That sucks.
1: Yeah, dude, bring him back. That's what I say. <laughs> we need a little more van Gogh. It's about time. I want to see shit again. Dude, oh, I watched one of those spooky fucking, um, like spooky, nostalgic, but unsettling videos. Yes, dude. I love those videos. I don't know if it was the one you sent me because I never watched that one, but I was going through, there's this video just called like Liminal Spaces on YouTube. It's one of those just like fucking video essay things, but there's a lot of cool pics in there. That's cool. Yeah, I do that. But it's like, he explains it and it's like, oh, this is why it seems familiar. But also I've like seen half of those places for real in real life. Yeah. <laughs> there's a couple that freaked me out that were just like the top of landings in like homes. And I was like, yeah. oh, this I've been to this house before, but I don't know where. I
0: think this was an American football cover.
1: <laughs> dude, fucking Mike Kinsella just dropped. He did this song with this um this like sad rap. It's it's this dude who's like kind of a juice world clone, but he did a feature riff on it.
0: What really?
1: Yeah. Like he just Mike Kinsella just fucking wrote a riff for this <laughs> sad rap song. That's pretty good, it's honestly. Sick. It's kind of dope.
0: Where does sad rap start? Where did I, it start? I just feel like it was—it was like this one. I remember you when you sent me solace. I was like, "Whoa, mm. sad rap!" And then, yeah, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it was just like Brockhampton. Pretty much every hip hop artist now does like sad rap. Yeah, which I honestly is fine.
1: Oh, some of it's good, but I think yeah, I I do think that Earl was like the first, and he's kind of the only one who's done it genuinely. Oh, you know what? Kanye, 808s and Heartbreak. That was like the first one.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Kanye, have you seen this stuff that he's been saying recently?
1: Yeah. Get Out was made about him. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess he's like either in the hospital or not in the hospital. I don't fucking know anymore.
0: I don't understand how like every time this happens, it's like everybody forgets that he's
1: mentally ill. Yeah. And it's just a spectacle.
0: Yeah, it, it is just like odd that people are like, God, why does Kanye keep doing all this ridiculously energetic and overly emotional stuff where he kind of steps on the people around him? Yeah. It's like-
1: <laughs> I wonder.
0: No I idea. wonder.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he was bugging. He said he's going to fucking like, he's been trying to divorce Kim Kardashian and like, I mean, I don't know. Come to Talkie Talk for your celebrity gossip.
0: Dear Kanye, please <laughs> join us so you can clear up these rumors. We are trying to help you. We're trying to clear your name. Exactly. We're fighting the good fight for you. But if you don't come on our podcast, I don't know how long morale is going to hold out. I mean, we're, we're struggling out
1: here. We can only do so much for you, Kanye. Um, you got to give us an inch.
0: Do you feel yourself like... I feel like nothing ages me more than the lingo that I feel like I just can't keep up with these days. I feel like an old man. Because I almost... As I was saying Kanye, I was thinking Kanye fan. And then I thought Kanye stan. And then I was like, what mm. the fuck is a stan? I'm assuming it's like a reference to Stan. Yeah. By, by Eminem. By the white, the white rapper.
1: The greatest rapper of all time. <laughs> Yo, Eminem's whack. <laughs> I've discovered.
0: Did you listen to kamikaze?
1: Some of it? That was like the latest
0: one, right? You should listen to kamikaze. It's I I don't know if it's yeah, it came out I think in late 2018 or early 2019. But he I think he he takes like hits out at everybody and it's like not good. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because he's just struggling to stay relevant. I listened to... um, He just dropped a track with Kid Cudi. And it's like Kid Cudi's the first half of the song. Eminem's the second half. Kid Cudi's verse is like one of his best in years. He's like spitting hard. Like in terms of like rhyme scheme and flow and everything. That's like the best in a long time. So I was hyped. And then Eminem comes on. And it's just the wackest (laughs) most Eminem verse. Dude, he spits bars about wearing masks. Because of COVID-19.
0: I wonder if he really believes that or if he just knows that that's mostly his demographic these
1: days. I don't know who he was even... He's like, trying to play both sides of it, too. Hold on, let me read you some... Doctors I'm, trying to poison to- my spleen <laughs> with COVID-19. Stuff so obscene when they see me after the scene. Basically, yeah. That was kind of better than what he did. Um, and he's also clearly, like, on speakerphone. What do you mean? I'm pretty sure Kid Cudi called him on speakerphone and then put it up to the mic. <laughs> Because the audio quality drops the fuck off. You heard
0: it here first. <laughs> Please let that be true. I, that, That's that, my theory. That, that would be so great. Got a little M in your pocket. That's when New pocket <laughs> M. He yells at you and your mother for you. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that sucks because old Eminem, not to be that guy, but like old Eminem was fucking fire. Like Without Me and Real Some Shady are both, Without Me especially is a great, great song. Are they though? Yes, absolutely. Because I absolutely
1: I would agree with you, but then I listened to this and I was like, maybe he's just been whacked the whole time, and I didn't know.
0: <laughs> maybe we just didn't know until it was too late. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, hold on! I gotta read you this. I gotta read you this. Um, these lines. Um, here we go. Oh man, there's so many good ones. <laughs> um, hold on. Uh I'm mouthwash because if I was on the floor, I'd swish fluoride, fluoride swish. Um. <laughs> King of rap? Nah, their words, not mine. King of swear words and not lying. I Was
0: that even on? That felt rhythmically off.
1: <laughs> well, I think he like shortens it to line. You know what I lying.
0: mean? Line. <laughs> that's, that's Shakespearean. Maybe Eminem is above all
1: of us. I think so. I mean, he thinks so. Oh, this is the best one. Half of us walking around like a zombie apocalypse. Other half are just pissed off and don't want to wear a mask. And they're just scoffing. And that's how you end up catching this shit off them. I just use the same basket as you shopping. Now I'm in a fucking casket from you coffin. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's just shitting on us. I hope he's shitting on us. Yeah, dude, there's
0: some stuff off off kamikaze that is like absolutely hilarious. A lot of like like poop humor.
1: Yeah, he's been leaning into that these days.
0: While I teabag the microphone, cause I go nuts on it like a fighter jet lined with explosives that'll strike at any moment headed right at opponents and i'm the fucking pilot that flown it (laughs) kind of sick little sick did you ever see the the video that he sent out i think it was like a one-sided rap battle against trump and like people it was it was a freestyle (laughs) did he win yeah he did win um (laughs) um yeah trump couldn't even formulate a response it was crazy (laughs) trump trump there was talk that trump would give him the presidency but um he was talked down.
1: I heard that he um he was too busy studying for his cognitive test. Did you see that shit? Pretty funny.
0: No, what is this?
1: Oh, he's been bragging. He took like basically like a dementia test and he's been bragging about the results of it. He's like, yeah, they like they give you the sequence, like house, car, person, stage. Like it's it's not easy too. And I I repeated it like three times back. Dude, he's just stoked that he like <laughs> has a functioning brain. Dear Trump, please
0: come on our podcast sometime so you can We'll all take the test and we can compare results. I
1: just just want to hear him out. I just want to hear him out. I don't think he has a big enough platform, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I'm not talking about fucking Trump on this. That's
0: almost as good as the picture of him looking at the sun.
1: Dude, that picture was sick. I don't give a fuck. That's so dope. That's so funny.
0: The man took on the sun.
1: (laughs) You could just like I'll just take a peek.
0: I'm not going to lie, I would be a liar if I said I never tried that that day. But. Dude, I
1: mean, we, we went together and I remember we were like, yeah, "Well, I mean, we'll just take a quick look.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to look at it through my camera, I remember.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That did not work.
1: Anyway. Welcome back to Talkie Talk.
0: Welcome back, guys. I know we already <laughs> lost all of you. Sorry, Derek. <laughs> this is what they want. This when we send this want. to you, Derek, we will put it in the email. We'll give you the timestamp that this starts at.
1: Yeah. I don't think Derek's gonna ever listen to this. I keep like tossing it out, like jokingly, but also because uh, he's hurting my feelings by not listening to it. Um, he's just—he's it's not happening. So, talky talk. Yeah. So we watched some movies a while ago. When did you watch these? Because I watched these like two weeks ago. So (laughs) I watched. Break.
0: I watched Honey Boy like the day after we did our last um session, and then I watched Clue uh yesterday.
1: Oh, okay. So, a little fresher. Yeah. I watched Clue, I think, a couple days after, and then I watched Honey Boy, I think, before we were going to originally record, like a couple days before that. Um, And then I watched a lot of other movies. I've been on a bit of a kick again, which is fun. A movie kick? Yeah. Nice. I watched um the original Tomb Raider the other day. Oh my God. <laughs> Have you seen that?
0: I've seen clips of it, but because uh, it's always on cable, but I've never actually seen it.
1: Dude, well, I mean, you're not going to get the- the tantalizing shower scene then on cable oh i've i've uh i've heard of it yeah you've you've studied it yeah i mean yeah. The,
0: that's that's mostly what we watched in um in our ethics of film class and my bunk <laughs> that reminds me of when i I used to play this james bond video game called agent under fire mm-hmm. and there's this scene where you're sneaking around this apartment building and q lures you into a room where he lectures you by putting a projection of a woman in, in the shower so that when you as a player approach it, Q's like, guess what? It wasn't a woman, it was me. But when I was like eight, um, basically what I realized was that there was like the, the physical part that you cross over and that triggers the cutscene where Q blue balls mm. you. But if you don't cross that and you zoom in with a sniper rifle, you could just watch this pixel woman <laughs> shower.
1: And so I would do that <laughs> as an eight year old. <laughs> Dude, for like ten. You minutes. gotta find a way. You gotta find a way. Life uh
0: uh, uh finds a way.
1: <laughs> dude, so. dead ass. Actually, like it, somewhat related to that. Um, I remember by I think my cousin had like the DVD of Tomb Raider, right? Just with the cover with fucking Angelina Jolie just being you know Angelina Jolie, and I never watched it. Sure, but dude, I mean that was you watched that the was cover. there in my mind for a long time. That was, just the cover of that DVD was uh, uh, an awakening for me.
0: Young love.
1: Yeah. So it was good to finally come full circle and watch this nightmare (laughs) of a movie. It was so much a fever dream that I think it was a little bit intentionally a fever dream. Like, I think they went full force because it just doesn't make any sense. And it's just like all slow-mo and like dreamlike. Like, the editing of it is super weird it's like it almost feels like a fucking like there's a surreal touch to it in a weird way there's this one transition where they go to a new location and the transition is this like cg morph of the building into a new building no and way. i was like i couldn't believe my eyes dude because it was just that's too sick. i was like yeah i haven't yeah, seen that before
0: like that's sick yeah yeah, that's, that's yeah. something. What you're speaking of right now with like the not knowing like how much they knew it was a dream or like how much it was intentional or not reminds me that today I was seeing there was the Price is Right was playing on a TV at the gym because it's always playing. Mm-hmm. I was watching this silent episode of the Price is Right where this woman named like Delilah or something comes up and they open. It's better with no sound because I think if I knew what was going on, it wouldn't be yeah. as funny, but they open this box. And Delilah's like, ah, like laughing at this box. And when they open the box, there's like, there's like three tiny pedestals, like five centimeters on each side of the pedestal or something. And like on top of each one is this tiny, like frightening trinket. And it's like a tiny little troll, a small red man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks like the cross between the lobster and a man, and like a stork porcelain figurine of a stork. And she like points at that. They keep close. They do close ups of this tiny red man that's like a crumpled fetal position, like f- made out of felt, and he's got googly eyes, and he's just like clutching himself on this pedestal. And they're all like pointing and laughing, and Drew Carey's like loving that's it. So bizarre. And then Drew Drew Carey like points into the distance with his crypt keeper finger, and he fucking. <laughs> they open another box and inside that box are just these nightmare masks of different hosts of The Price is Wait, Right what? and they all the hosts <laughs> of
1: The Price is Right wear the masks of their own face there's no way, you're fucking with they, me you're fucking real. With, there's literally no chance I swear, I swear no.
0: Christ this is real Duke, I'm looking up at Drew Carey, Drew Carey silently wearing his own face <laughs> And they're all pointing at this tiny little red man. And Dude. I'm like, I I thought I lost it. I thought it was over for me.
1: I mean, it sounds incredible, but. Anyway, Honey Boy. Welcome back to Talkie Talk, guys. <laughs> um, hey, what do you think about Honey Boy? I liked it a lot. I thought what was super interesting about that movie is how the way it was made and just the nature of it, of, of Shia LaBeouf playing his abusive father added a layer to it that before I watched it, I was like, okay, this could be just like gimmicky. But I think was super genuine and like the real life situation, I I felt like played a part in the themes of it as well, which is really cool. It's like a melding of reality and the, the writing of the screenplay is like working with this real life situation. Um, but yeah, that's my, I thought it was super unique. I don't think I've seen a movie like that before. I liked a lot about it. I liked a lot about it. What about you?
0: Cool. I also really liked it. I was, I had the same... Um, you know, worries about Shia LaBeouf kind of pulling this gimmick, and I wasn't quite sure how it was going to go. But I've I've always kind of liked Shia LaBeouf, actually. Oh, yeah. But um, I always thought he kind of tended to play like, especially at the time when he was getting cast in all those like action movies, he was always just kind of like running and yelling Shia LaBeouf. Right. I, like didn't really feel like he was doing anything. But in this one, I definitely feel like it, it is better than just a gimmick. Like he actually put effort into the way he's acting and and the way that he's coming to the role. Absolutely. I felt a little like where it wasn't as good for me was mostly the flash forward scenes or like the present day scenes. Okay. Some of them worked more than others, but I I didn't always feel like it was um, connecting the two timelines for me as well as it was supposed to. Like I didn't always feel like I felt the um, line between point A and point B, the two um, eras of his life. And um, I, I, I almost feel like maybe we could have, I wish we could have seen a little more of like, of, I felt like by the time that he was like ready to accept his dad, it kind of just got there. Uh-huh. I didn't quite feel like it developed to that point as much as I wanted it to. Um. So I would say all the parts that involved Shia LaBeouf and almost all that involved the child actor with a few um exceptions where I felt like his acting was a little uh, iffy. Mm-hmm. I really liked all those all the scenes of the past, and I liked most of the scenes in the future. Okay. But um, I know I was still going with general ideas, so I, I'd say I, I, I still I really enjoyed it.
1: That's super interesting because um there's actually... I want to come back to something you said about the ending of that movie. So I think I had a different understanding.
0: Okay, cool. But I, yeah,
1: I mean, that's something that I yeah. kind of toss back and forth in my own mind because I typically don't like flash-forward type stuff. Like, I think a lot of the time um, it serves... Almost as a lazy device to like place us in the past, but I didn't feel that with this. But anyway, we'll we'll continue on that. Um, what did you think of Clue?
0: I I liked it not as much, but I still um, had fun with it. I would say I didn't really love it, or or even maybe I don't know. I <laughs> it's so clearly like self aware, but that only goes so far for me at certain points. Mm. Um, and it felt for me at certain moments that when um it seemed like there wasn't a whole lot of like direction in some parts of it, especially in the middle of it, I felt a little draggy. But once it was funny, the part the whole point at which Tim Curry is like running around the house and showing things, I, I, I ended up really enjoying. So mostly the beginning and the end I liked. Mm. Um and I enjoyed it, but I don't think I would watch it again anytime soon. That's
1: fair. I I liked it um a solid amount. I think I liked it a lot in the face of watching knives out because when i watched knives out i was like <laughs> oh cool i want to watch just like a fucking cool who done it and then i didn't and so i watched this and then i watched a cool who done it i did feel like it was self aware but i i felt like it was self aware in a way that was genuinely fun in a way that a lot of self aware movies aren't knives out i feel like when it is self aware it's sort of positioning itself as above the genre where I didn't feel that way with this one. I felt like with this one, they just loved the genre and were just throwing in little nods to it because they thought it was fun. It felt like a celebration more so than like a satire. Yeah. And I liked that. I thought that was really refreshing because I mean, I've talked about this a lot, but self-aware comedy just almost never does it for me because it, it really does get to that point where it's just like snarky and it's like, hey, look, we're smarter than this, but we're also doing this. So it's the same thing. Well, I, there was
0: definitely a lot of snark in this screenplay. I think, and a lot of the like one-liners that they were doing, <laughs> like yeah, I, 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 I get that it was kind of like kind of supposed to be self-aware, but it's still like at a certain point, like a, a dad joke is a dad joke, and like I, 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 I felt that's I started like in the beginning, it didn't drag for me because it was the beginning and it hadn't really overstayed its welcome. But after a certain point, I was beginning to be like, okay, I, yeah, okay. But there was a lot of stuff that worked for me. It just, a lot of the dialogue jokes didn't do it for me, but a lot of the like physical comedy, like when they keep bringing the bodies back into the room. (laughs) And then like by the uh, one moment, I think might be my favorite moment in the whole thing was when like the the comedy of like people just like uh, dying again and again and again. And then at the end or like towards the end when Yvette is killed and they all just see her body and they just like shrug (laughs) and just like don't even bother. (laughs) Like, I love that. Was that was super part. funny. Yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah.
1: I, to be honest, I mean, this, I can, I understand. I don't think you're wrong for not liking the comedy. Thank you. But I liked it. I don't know. I'm appreciate just, it. I feel like, I feel like as time goes on, I'm just learning to appreciate just zingers more and more. You know, I, I'm just, I'm kind of yeah. down with just like dumbass quips. It's something about it that just is fun to me. Yeah. And it, it's just, I, I think it goes back to, um, Me feeling like this movie didn't feel like it was like way smarter than me in the same way that the jokes and knives out, I feel like fell flat because it was like, oh, look, like, look how stupid this is. This kind of relished in being stupid. And I appreciate that more.
0: Yeah. And I do think that I think and I hope, but I I do really think that um, it kind of makes fun of the idea of using something like this as a vehicle for social commentary, because I think. It, it, it starts out, it, maybe it doesn't start out, but I remember there was a shot in the beginning of a TV with, like, the McCarthy hearings on. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then as they as kept going into, like, the communism stuff, I was like, uh-oh, like, what is it trying, like, this is niza right. again. But then, I feel like as, especially because that stuff literally, like, ended up having nothing to do with the climax. Yeah. And they they specifically address that, too, that, like, it has nothing to do with, like, anything that they're actually doing yeah. that, like, um with, Involved with like the State Department or like the state secrets or anything like that, and they say like three times that communism was a red herring. Yeah, and I'm just like okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that is that is cheeky and that that worked for me.
1: Yeah, I agree. I've, I was feeling the same way. I was like, oh, is this just the same? But then, yeah, I agree with that. I think it literally was just like just kind of making fun of the idea that it was gonna try to be a commentary, like you were saying. But it just says like fuck, fuck that, like. It's just
0: kind of goofy. Yeah, it definitely was goofy. Yeah,
1: and back to what I was saying about the humor. I feel like it reminded me of of like airplane, for example, where it is yes, just a lot it's like just mad jokes, and I'm I'm down for that sometime.
0: Yeah, like st- the stuff with the like um, the French maid, just like uh, like her accent always being just like so aggressive <laughs> and like so not even French, not even close at not all. Close. <laughs> that stuff, like I love stuff like that. I think where I um, deviate a little bit is that I do feel as though some of the quips were just like, okay, I, I get that you're obviously not thinking you're like too smart, but like this is like endless. It's not even about uh, being like the level of self-awareness or cleverness at a certain point, but it was just like, I can't keep laughing at the kind of the same joke, like rehashed for a new occasion.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I think half of them I laughed at. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you know, I don't think it was anything incredible. Yeah. Speaking of, of of airplane, um that movie I feel like holds up even more in terms of the like wisecrack humor and just like gags. Yeah. You just want to gag sometimes, you know? Just a it's a quick goof. I like that stuff.
0: I think we might go back to that at a certain point. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I know now that a lot of a lot of humor, especially with the success of stuff like Wes Anderson and like the indie scene getting revived with A24 and stuff. Yeah. Um, is very dry right now, and I absolutely love dry humor. Oh yeah, like okay. I love really good yeah. dry humor. Um, like Jordi Santos or whatever the fuck that guy's huh? name is.
1: Oh, the the um, our the our guy, guy who
0: made the lobster. Our man. Yeah, Jordi Santos. Yeah. he's pretty he's, good. He, I like him he's a lot. Very cool guy. He's our good friend. He's been on the podcast yeah. a few times. Um, before we got the recording thing down, so all that is lost. Unfortunately, unfortunately yeah. But he said we were some of the funniest guys out there, and really entertaining and insightful, which is you know, I don't speak Greek, but yeah, I think that's what he was saying. um, I think that is what he's saying, but anyway, yeah, I think i wouldn't I wouldn't be against the quips coming back for a little bit, just that it's just like fun, yeah. it's just like it's gonna it's a very loose plot, and the jokes come from the like the people in it, you know, it's like a joke movie, yeah, it's kind of like movie stand up, but it works yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. That's that's why I like um Norm McDonald so much. Have we talked about him cuz I'm fucking yeah. in love with Norm McDonald. I think we must have.
0: We've talked not on the no, podcast but like about just him a like million
1: times. I must have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I figure. Dude, I my memory right now is like really fucked up with everything it's that's going worse on. for
0: me too. Definitely. Like I literally
1: typically I will be like I'm sure that I did do this or like did tell tell this person this, but I don't know either. I don't have a memory of it, but I'm sure I must have. Uh no. Okay. I guess just me. Wake up, Nate. Nate, wake up my decline Wait, wake up dude sometimes i think maybe we need you to wake up sometimes <laughs> like recently especially i'm like all right you're pushing it you like, know you know what would
0: be an absolutely evil way to to treat someone but would kind of be hilarious if you were like a worse person is just hire like 10 people to to follow someone throughout a like a week and just like and just every so often they'll just walk up to them and say wake up and then just walk away <laughs>
1: That's to treat somebody.
0: <laughs> well, you can treat someone poorly; yeah. it's treating them.
1: See, that's treating what I'm talking them like about. A piece that, of shit. Right? Those kind of jokes. Um, but, but yeah, anyway. like because because Norm too, it's yeah. just like he's just cracking jokes, and it's funny because he leans into the ridiculousness of it.
0: Yeah, it's, he he rides a really narrow line of like of just insanely clever and sometimes dry and sometimes just like very hokey. Yeah. Like he'll tell like traveling salesman (laughs) jokes from like the (laughs) twenties. Did you ever see on the, he was uh, on the roast of Bob Saget and he, he just read the like hundred jokes for kids (laughs) book or something. (laughs) It
1: was like dead serious too. Dude, that, that was actually my introduction to Norm Macdonald. I think I saw a link to that on like YouTube or not YouTube. Well, yeah, YouTube, but like Reddit, I think somebody linked it and instantly I just like got it. I was like, this is just my type of humor because he's just like, it's his delivery. That's so good because he's just so genuine about it and just has a funny way about him. And like, dude, I just like, it was just heartwarming too, because like him and Bob Saget are like such good boys. Like they just love each other. And like Norm just comes on and like just tells all these goofy (laughs) ass jokes and makes him laugh harder than anybody (laughs) else. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's brilliant. Yeah,
0: it's really in- endearing. Yeah. At the same time, which is good. Yeah, it's like a good-natured good human. Norm um Norm has not been on the podcast, but we've been in contact and he says once COVID ends, he would like to do it in person. Yeah, he doesn't um, he doesn't so know how to we, use we'll the um,
1: computer. So, yeah, we have to which do it in person. Fine.
0: Anyway, yeah, I, I do feel as though it's it, it lost me a little bit like halfway through. It just in that like I, I think it was when they were all Searching the house and it didn't feel much like, like uh, there wasn't too much information that was exposed throughout that part that really warranted it being Mm -hmm. that long besides like the secret passageways and stuff. And and I I felt like the jokes per minute kind of dropped at that point. So with the lack of like plot progression and jokes, I felt like the middle, pretty much most of when they were searching the house for that person that like wasn't there was kind of eh for wait me. what do you mean but,
1: searching for the person that wasn't there
0: well didn't they weren't they looking for someone they were like isn't it possible that someone else is in the oh, house i think
1: so yeah again i watched and, it like two weeks ago yeah um
0: yeah yeah exactly but mostly yeah so the no they th- were
1: but they were most i thought they were like looking for because they split up to like look for clues right basically wait say that again they split up to look for clues clues like like the board game holy shit Wow. Wait, do you think it's based on that game?
0: I, I just didn't think they would be able to weave it into the plot that well. Yeah, it wouldn't make I, sense to me. Holy
1: shit.
0: Wow. I mean, that is something. It
1: pales in comparison to the Monopoly anime, though.
0: Dude, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, if Parker Brothers is willing to shell out dough for some movies, like I'd make a fucking Monopoly movie. <laughs> Could you imagine? Dude, it
1: is crazy to me that they made a movie adaptation of a board game. And actually tried and like made yeah. it fun at least. Like again, it's not anything groundbreaking. It's nothing insanely good, but it's a solid movie. Like they clearly had fun. It was like coherent, which most any video, like even video game movies or anything. Like video game movies, yeah. video games in theory should lend themselves more towards movies, but then a board yeah. game. <laughs> Although, I mean, obviously, board gate the board game is based off the genre, but
0: the board game was actually based off of the um, um, United Fruit Company Banana Massacre of mm. the 30s, because when they asked the soldiers who were in charge of the slaughter, you know, who pulled the trigger, they all said, I, I have no clue. And then the Parker brothers said, wait a minute, I have no clue. And then that's how it came out.
1: They're in that, their mansion lair that night. Hmm. That's good work. <laughs> Um, I kind of like the middle of that movie because that's when people would start getting capped and shit. I like the part of whodunit movies where people are dying. You know, lights go off. Who's gonna be dead this time? I don't know.
0: I liked in the um, near the when when uh, Tim Curry was running around the house and like he would reenact all the scenes and he would keep turning the lights yeah. off. <laughs> That, that was funny. And I also I love the fake out when he turns the lights off and then is lying on the floor and you think he's dead and then he's just <laughs> pretending to be Mr. Body. Yeah. That was
1: solid. I think I like he that, did he did a good great. job in this movie, Tim Curry.
0: Yeah, I think I think especially at the end when he had that whole like 10 minute scene just dedicated to him running around. I think that really honestly is a testament to an actor's chops when they can literally regurgitate the movie that you just watched and still make it entertaining. Like he's just telling us stuff that we already know. Honestly, I didn't love that sequence. Oh, really? Oh, I I really did. At a certain
1: point, I was like... All right. Really? Yeah. It just kind of dragged for me a little bit. That's so funny. I think funny. he did. I think he did a good job with. I think he like did the best that you could with that because he did just bring like mad energy to it and just getting that really cartoony sort of uh groove. It just got to be a little much. Although I did, I kind of take that back actually because <laughs> okay. So so for people who don't know, yeah, I'm gonna do it just a quick. I think probably a lot of people know what this movie is about. It's um. Tim Curry
0: is actually a bug. <laughs> For those who don't know.
1: So Clue is based off the classic board game, maybe the only board game movie. And um, anyway, a lot of people go to a house and, and fucking people start dying. That's pretty much it. Dinner party. Everybody's being blackmailed by this one guy. And it just kind of unravels. But for people who don't know, there are three separate endings to this movie. Um, and that was the point that I was going to use to take back what I said before, because I liked that. In all three of those, he was able to do the same thing, and it was right. Each time it was like, oh yeah, it all comes together. And something really cool about this, I don't know if you knew this, but in the theatrical screening, they sent different versions of the movie to different theaters. So there's three different versions of the movie, and so you didn't know which ending you were going to get when you went to see it, and they only put together the three endings for the home release. I think that's just a lot of fun. I did okay, know well, that. I was trying to give you a, a fun fact, that, Tyler. Nate.
0: It was a fun fact. I, I, That was actually the only thing I knew about this movie before going in. Oh, really? I had heard that somewhere and I don't know where. Um, Roger Ebert hated that and thought it was a gimmick. I mean, it is a gimmick. But I think Roger Ebert, <laughs> let me just say there's a reason he's dead and we're still here.
1: <laughs> you never know, man. You never know. I mean yeah, it's like it's it's a gimmick. It is a hundred percent a gimmick. I think it's a fun one, though,
0: yeah, I think so too. I think gimmicks should not be like saying something's just a gimmick and that makes it bad is like cheating. I agree in my, in my book. but um
1: Roger Ebert, the lazy man's critic,
0: yep. Hey, Roger Ebert, how come you're not talking so much these days? <laughs>
1: He's still got a website, though. He's got, like, ghostwriters, literally.
0: Yo, Roger, if you ever uh, feel like we're being a little too cruel to you, why don't you speak up and, uh, you know, come back at us? Rest in peace. Anyway.
1: <laughs> One of the greats. Hey, Roger Ebert loves Nick Cage, and I will defend Roger Ebert to the end, even though I don't read any of his stuff.
0: Roger Ebert actually knew what he was talking about a lot of the time. Yeah. Siskel, I don't know how he got on that show. Wait, what? What show? Roger, uh, Siskel and Ebert. Oh, I don't
1: know what the fuck that is.
0: S- Siskel, um, and Roger, Gene Siskel Oh yeah, you've like made Roger this Ebert. up before
1: in the past. I forgot.
0: <laughs> well, the thing was that they. Oh yeah, you know Siskel. The other one. They were they were conjoined twins. Okay. And then Roger Ebert, they were supposed to split down the middle, fifty fifty. Yeah. And keep reviewing movies together. Um, but Roger Ebert actually took. Uh, it was like a sixty-five thirty-five split, and it took Siskel years to of eating mostly peanuts and spinach to um get mm. the necessary nutrients to grow back the parts of himself that Roger took.
1: I think the weirdest part about that whole situation is that Roger had a Siskel mask and Siskel had a Roger mask and they like took yeah. them out of boxes and put them on. And so you never knew it was, who was who. It was
0: kind of inappropriate, uh, yeah. I thought, but what, yeah. Yeah yeah you could usually tell who was who, um, based off like the body size because Siskel was just so malnourished uh, in the mm. beginning. It was really he actually outlines it all in his book. Uh, it's a really interesting read. It's called "My Struggle," uh, which is an interesting <laughs> name, but I don't know why he chose
1: that. but <laughs> dude, I saw there's this author who like is respected, who made a book called "My Struggle like recently) <laughs> Like maybe maybe don't do that. You know, I don't know. It Might not be a great idea.
0: Or just put an adjective in there, like my difficult struggle. <laughs> Even that would help out. Um, but anyway, no. But Roger Ebert actually was a um, was an early um, anime fan. He was like he before. Is this real? Um, yeah, no. He was into Akira. He said it was like nice. one of the best films of the year, which yeah. is correct.
1: One of the best films ever. ever maybe
0: it's always possible. Yeah, uh, that's you know once Kanye comes on. We'll be discussing Akira. I don't know if that'll be, it'll probably be sometime this month.
1: You've seen that tweet that's like, no way is spirited away better than Akira. <laughs> I have, yeah. I remember you sent that to me. Sorry, I was just watching a top 10 anime list on YouTube.
0: <laughs> that was his first mistake, was watching Watch Mojo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so funny to me.
0: But anyway, so, Clue. Clue. Dude, ending the movie with that joke, I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife, is like absolute triple A baller move i i had to rewatch that like five times dude i couldn't believe it did i it was so good it was so stupid yeah. like it was so dumb and it worked so well it was really just, funny just that and then like the freeze frame like as an episode of like the <laughs> naked gun or something and yeah. then just the saxophone so funny because
1: they're just like taking the piss out of me, it was you know? yeah it was so it's just good like oh don't worry it all works out in the end he's not actually yeah gay. yeah Without being fucking, <laughs> without being smarmy about it, you know, it was just goofy. It was a little like, smarmy, but it worked. Yeah.
0: So, what, what do you think about Clue? What would you give Clue in a number? Are form? we done?
1: Are we done with Clue?
0: Yeah, no, no we're done with Clue. Okay, cool. Yeah, I uh,
1: yeah, I don't think there's anything else I wanted to say about it. Um, yeah, I just thought the the multiple endings was a cool gimmick, and again, I it, it just surprised me that they tried to do something cool with. A board game movie they're like oh this will be fun it's like the game you don't know how it's gonna turn out yeah and i liked that it i mean obviously like the way those endings work is that it like brushes over red herrings but it worked every time like you go through and it's like oh this makes sense if this was just the ending i would have taken it at face value for all three yeah um which i think was cool i thought it was clever
0: i think it would have felt a little more empty if i didn't know like being able to see all three like i think yeah. if i had seen it with one of those Besides the third one being like the definitive ending, I would have been like, okay, that didn't really feel super fulfilling.
1: I agree with that. That's what made that movie like jump up in my enjoyment was the three endings. Yeah. It's a cool thing structurally. They just tried it out. Just a fun little thing to try out. And I'm glad they did. Me too. I think I would. You got your rating in mind? I do. I think I'd give it a seven. I think. Seven to seven and a half. I was really hyped off the endings. That's what like bumped up the half. Mm-hmm. But I think on reflection, probably a seven. I think I'd give it a
0: six to a six and a half. Cool. I still really enjoyed it, but I did feel the comedy and the pace drag um, at certain points, um, but then get picked up again. So I think that's fair. Cool. All right. Yeah. Um. I have to piss really bad, so I'm going to do that.
1: Okay. And we're back, guys. Tyler has emptied his bladder. Yeah, it was one
0: of those good peas. It was so strong that you kind of like feel that little pain because you you know it's kind of like pulling on your kidneys
1: almost. Yeah, I don't know if that's uh, ideal. I like it uh, when just, it's clear, that, even though I know you're, it's fucking not supposed to be. But I like it when it's, it's not clear. Bad if it's clear. It's supposed to be slightly I mean, off oh, yellow. Oh God's sake! That's bullshit. Make it. I want fucking. I just want water in one end, water out the other. Exactly. Just crystal clear. I want to be able to not flush the toilet. Just and constantly
0: moving water from one place to another. Yeah.
1: Just like it's a, all we a are. river. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> let's move on to, uh, <clears throat> to Honey Boy. Um, Ty, why don't you hit us with a little synopsis and a little backstory Yo, to this I one? I got
0: you. <clears throat> a young actor's stormy childhood and early adult years as he struggles to reconcile with his father and deal with his mental health. Um, so this is directed by Alma Harrell. It's written by Shia LaBeouf and it stars Shia LaBeouf, Lucas Hedges, and Noah Jupe or Jupe. Probably Jupe. Probably Jupe. And yeah, it's it's an autobiographical or semi autobiographical piece based off Shia LaBeouf's life. And Shia LaBeouf plays the part of his own father. And Noah Jupe plays the part of Shia LaBeouf. And it's pretty good. It is pretty, pretty good.
1: Yeah. Um. To give a little uh, more idea of the structure, it's basically, um. it, it follows, um, hold on, what's the, I, I'm just going to pull up these names, bro, because I hate being like, what the fuck is this person's <laughs> name? I can just look at it. Um. I don't know what that is. I literally, I feel like that just doesn't click in my brain. It's just in one ear, out the other. I don't know what any characters or actors are. No,
0: calling. I have the same. The actors, I usually refer to people as their actors' names because I can't remember. Only
1: if they're well-known, though. Otherwise, I have no clue.
0: Maybe it's like name, face, blindness.
1: Yeah, I think we're special. Um, yeah, so Shia LaBeouf's, uh, the character that stands in for Shia LaBeouf is Otis. Um, and so the, the structure of the movie follows Otis um, in his 20s going to court-mandated rehab after uh, a drunk driving incident, which did happen to Shia LaBeouf, and it's him and his kind of therapist, I think it was his corrections officer, right, that, like, is giving the therapy um, to him? I think,
0: yeah, yeah, she seems to be his therapist, but he, like, I think there's probably multiple therapists, but she's the the one.
1: Right, right, yeah, because she reports back to the court systems, I think, but she is also, um, like, a therapist, um, so basically, it's it's her trying to urge him to uh, go back over traumatic experiences growing up to try to um, resolve them and recover from them. And so it flashes between Karin Day and Otis as a child at 12 years old. Um, and yeah, Shia LaBeouf plays his own father, James. And yeah, so that's the setup. I think that setup alone just works really well for this because there's this circular logic to it that I find really interesting where... The plot of him at the rehab ties into his real experiences writing this. And that's why I think it worked for me more than most flash forward sequences do, is because it was like that was almost a reflection on writing this movie than it was having to directly link to his childhood experiences. Like it definitely did, but I didn't, I definitely didn't feel was always um okay, this scene happens and logically this next scene would happen. To me, it felt more like he was reliving this stuff as this sort of random outpouring that he, in the movie, can't really make sense of and is struggling with the whole time and is struggling to even recognize as a problem. So I I almost felt like, yeah, it was two kind of separate things in a way, but they work together in, in the sense that his rehab sections we're very much about, like, why would he make this movie? Like, what what do you gain out of that? Is there something you gain out of that? Is there a resolution you come to? And this idea of lineage, too, of, you know, his father says to him, you know, you're going to be like me. Like, fucking all we have, we have fucking pain in our family. We drink it away. All this stuff. And it's, you know, Shia is playing his father, which he's literally taking on those same burdens. And again, it's this, it's this meta narrative, I feel like. He's operating on, like, different levels, you know? <laughs>
0: He's he's got levels to it.
1: He's got it's got levels, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, um, yeah. I think that the the choice of him to play his father in a piece that is about like him dealing with the like the fear of becoming his father is yeah. uh, a choice that could be gimmicky, but in this sense, I think definitely is not. Definitely yeah. works very well. Yeah. I also just thought you know, <laughs> it's funny because as I was starting to watch this, I was like, I haven't seen Shia LaBeouf. Really try to act since Holes. <laughs> Honestly,
1: does he act in that movie really well? Yeah, Holes yeah. is a great
0: movie. It's been a while since I, I've seen I say it. The, I say this all the time. I fucking love that movie. I, I, I mean, I haven't watched it in a long time either, but yeah, when there we re- go. I mean, okay, fine. It could be not as good as I remember. <laughs> Avatar, greatest series of
1: all time. Harry Potter, don't even get me well, started. Dude,
0: Harry Potter, I'm warming up to it, I gotta say. No, Holes is a great movie, but. I just thought I was like you know I haven't seen him do anything besides his transformer Shia LaBeouf since forever except there was of course that he will not divide us stuff which was absolutely amazing yeah. Do you know do you, yeah dude. oh yeah
1: dude yeah I mean I was a part of pop culture for <laughs> the, yeah the straight of years you couldn't, you couldn't miss it yeah dude, oh my god and like I'm not famous anymore and like and for those yeah. who
0: don't know who I'm sure is none of you because it's only listeners. Derek and we lost Derek so. Um, you guys gotta Google, he will not divide us. It is, it, 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 te- it, technically is a tale of deceit, intrigue and international espionage. Yeah. That is true. I feel
1: like <laughs> I don't actually know what you're talking about.
0: Oh, okay. So he had this live stream called he will not divide us. That was set up in like Montreal oh, or something. Shit.
1: Now I do. Yeah. I just looked it up the flag yeah, yeah. and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, please oh, it's man. too much to explain right now, yeah. but a movie could yeah. be made about that. It is so funny. But <laughs> the a great channel called The Internet Historian has a good video on it. Oh um, yeah, I see that you here. Sh- y- you should check it see- out.
1: <laughs> One of the videos is just called Capture the Flag, He Will Not Divide Us. <laughs> 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 That's so funny.
0: Um yeah, so definitely check that out, please. But anyway. Um but yeah, I was I was really thinking I was like I I I think he can do it, but I, you know, I, I was interested to see if he really pulled it off, and I, I really do think that his acting was one of the strongest points of the movie. Yeah, like he really, uh, which is really upsetting to think about, just how well his father's mannerisms and um, specific eccentricities are so ingrained into his brain. Yeah. that he can pop him out like that even now
1: dude yeah it was he was incredible like his performance was seriously incredible in that movie yeah and yeah adding to the layer that it he is playing his father and is trying to recreate scenes to the best of his memory and is playing that role just really added it added to the emotional weight a lot for me like I really that movie hit me pretty hard because there are moments where it it kind of clicks back into focus again mm-hmm. and you think about the dynamic and it, it does add to the um impact of it i think yeah i definitely
0: i i think this is one of those movies where the meta-narrative it it just works really well with the narrative itself like they're they're kind of inseparable and if you tried to i feel like if you tried to look at this movie without what like if you said it was a gimmick and then tried to judge this movie like on its own Mm -hmm. i feel like you'd be cheating because it's like you really can't do that you know, it, yeah, it's it's one of those movies where the context of it is incredibly important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think this movie really doesn't work in the same way without knowing that piece.
0: I, I mean, I think the first scene, which I loved, is like a really I I think would work to kind of support that that thesis that like you have to take the context into it mm. uh, into consideration because the first scene is an inside joke among Shia LaBeouf fans basically where he just yells no 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 and then explosions go off because that was. <laughs> Like literally his thing. Yeah. Like people would be like, all Shia LaBeouf does is yell, no, run and get flung everywhere <laughs> yeah. while explosions happen. Yeah, And it's just like the fact that he started the movie with that is, I thought was just a fantastic way to start it because it was just so entertaining as someone who does know the story behind his whole rise and like quote unquote fall. But yeah. And I'd, his rise you know, again. Yeah. This movie. Honestly. It, it, and then I really liked how they mirrored that. Um, albeit not really that much later in the piece, but the way that he gets pulled back after he, get hit, he gets hit by the pie is like the exact same oh, yeah. thing. And it just gives you the sense that like he's just been doing this all his life. And I think that's a great way to connect the two narratives too, is uh, yeah. is, is that visual cue. Absolutely. I wish there was a little more stuff like that with visual cues and stuff, because I, I felt like the, the visuals were usually better in the flashbacks too, but the flash forwards... Except for at the end, which I feel like really was great when his dad walks out in the clown costume. Yeah, dude. Like he's oh. just in this clown costume all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, Man, I think, yeah, connecting to that opening scene and just throughout the whole movie, there's this really absurd, I don't think nihilistic, but I think like absurdist humor in it. Like the memory is like laughing at him almost, you know?
0: Yeah, I it definitely had that feeling of a, what you said before about surrealism, as if it doesn't matter if he's a clown in Child of us's memory and that's why he's wearing the clown costume, or if he really was wearing a clown costume in that scenario where it just it just works. Yeah. It just works yeah. really well metaphorically and in a non-metaphorical sense. It's just great. Yeah,
1: I like that a lot and- too. That the line was blurred. At certain points and it was it worked fine because the storytelling was just so good that it didn't matter and i think that's you're not really like well which which one is it's just it works it all works together
0: yeah yeah i um and it felt mature too it didn't feel as though uh it didn't feel spiteful not at all and it didn't feel didn't feel like shia labeouf was even saying like okay now i'm dealing with this and it's over um it was definitely kind of like a, a review that I saw said that it was a love letter to an abusive father. And I was like, yeah, yeah it kind of is a love letter in a way. It's just like a recognition of understanding, even though <laughs> it was clearly horrible. Yeah. But but it is, I'm trying to think specifically. I feel like at the end, especially with the, um, the final segment is like him bonding with his father in both timelines. And then like, I forget exactly which scene in the flashback. Pre um precedes the scene in the flashback where they're going to um his like weed farm on the side of the highway. Yeah, but right. I, I, it's like this moment of like bonding where this dad is getting his like twelve year old son high yeah. on the side of a highway. Yeah, and 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 they juxtapose that with like him kind of forgiving his dad. Um, which I think there's a lot to read into there, but I also think that it's a great way to kind of mirror the way that like his dad's love. The that affection and that like acceptance is like a drug to him, and that's kind of what he's trying to get to with his alcoholism and his drug abuse. Yeah, is is this feeling of being with his dad, and I think that was a great like I just thought that was a great way to put it. Like, and that's a great visual way to explain it too. Absolutely,
1: yeah, and yeah, I mean that's obvious. Like, you know, with addiction, a lot of it is filling a void. As cliché as that sounds, you know, it is like because something is missing. And yeah, I think you're very right about that. Yeah, and about the ending, what you were saying before at the beginning, I wasn't sure if you were saying you felt like he did forgive him at the end or it was resolved. Because I felt like the theme of this movie overall was there kind of is no resolution. You have to just kind of learn to accept it in a way and not like push it away anymore. Yeah,
0: I... That is what I was kind of going for. Was that? I mean, I do think, in a way, in the same way that it's kind of a love letter. I think there is a feeling of like forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But what I was saying, or was trying to get at with what I was saying, and it being more mature than that is that it didn't feel like Shia is like saying that, like by uh, forgiving him, he's like beating it. Mm. It's more like he's realizing that he like he's going to have to deal with it for his life, like for his whole life. But that. Forgiveness is going to help him deal with it yeah. and like understanding is going to help with the dealing, but that he'll it's not like uh... So the other weekend I was watching this show called Ghost Adventures
1: good <laughs> and
0: They were opening this thing called the Dybbuk box Is this where and like the, the, little, the box... little
1: red figure is and the Alex Trebek mask or the fuck you're talking about? honestly
0: it's <laughs> same vibes but no, the hosts were like, it's all connected. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen any of these ghost adventure shows, but they're fantastic and you definitely should, I but have they're, it, they're opening That's this great. box and the guy was like, I'm I'm opening this box. The Dybbuk is like the demon that inhabits the box and he's like, but I'm opening it with respect. I am not looking to make a joke out of you. You So you cannot hurt me for I am respecting you. Hmm. And that, that makes me think of like, it would almost be like the same thing if Shia was like, I respect you. I forgive you, Dad. You cannot now hurt me, for I forgive you. And forgiveness is my weapon. It's more just like, it's more just like, I forgive you, but this is going to, it's not going to stop sucking.
1: I honestly, I don't view it so much as forgiveness. as Understanding. Yeah. I think, I think what it, it gets at is what you were saying about it being mature. I think an urge for everybody, you know, is to view people as black and white as, okay, this person's an abuser. This person is a good person. I think- That movie was Shia coming to grips with the fact that he did have love for his father, even though what he did was not forgivable. Like those two things I felt like were finally able to coexist at the end. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like one thing outweighed the other for me. I think it was, you know, my dad really fucked me over, but also I loved him and also... I wish I could have done more for him. But I also don't think it's like a guilt thing where it's like, oh, like if I had done more, I think it's just accepting like, this is how it is. These two things exist. And I have to just keep going now. Yeah, I'd,
0: I'd agree. I mean, I think it's, I think you could say it is forgiveness, but I think it's more, I mean, at that point, it's kind of semantic. It's more a recognition that any form of forgiveness or understanding is not being done in order to, So much as to like put a cap on it as it is to actually like, you know, try and understand it, try and like actually get a grip on the situation as opposed to like beating it, quote unquote.
1: Yeah, I agree with that completely. And I think
0: at the end, yeah, I think at the end there's that recognition where he's not trying to like prove anything or not trying to, you know, be better than his dad or be the kid that his dad wanted him to be. But he's just kind of he's observing the situation kind of for the first time as this guy who understands what it really is. I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the I think this was the last line where Shia LaBeouf, um, his character, Otis, says to his his father, I'm making a movie about you and his dad's like, Oh, you better make me look good. And like Yeah. It, yeah, I think that's really does sum it up where, you know, he's trying to approach yeah. it honestly for the first time um yeah and that's just like a fucking heartbreaking line too it just it really hit me yeah that
0: movie. yeah i think it i mean i think it worked pretty well for what it was going for yeah and i think it really nailed it um i feel like so many movies like talk about trauma in a way that it's supposed to be like something that you defeat and then you like move on yeah and then it's like we well, don't yeah hundred <laughs> and i think this movie especially considering that shia is now like 30-something, and just now making this movie is is such a testament to the fact that, like, you, who knows when you'll actually decide to sit down and deal with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And (laughs) And I think that's...
1: No, I was going to say that I I strangely got, like, an uplifting feeling from this movie because, dude, I mean, we saw, it's kind of similar to what we were saying about Kanye, where people see him do these outlandish things, and suddenly it's a big joke. You know, Shia was clearly having, like, a, a pretty serious breakdown. Mm -hmm. and watching this movie especially was it 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 felt good to see that he was able to come back not just come back from that but take the next step that he needed to in order to like grow as a person yeah even after going that deep down and yeah like you said he's in his 30s and he's like just now kind of dealing with it or has been dealing with dealing with it for a while but it's he's still going yeah you know he's still going and yeah, I, I did feel like that was uplifting, like trying to make the best of life even though your circumstances weren't good, which is something that I think his dad tries to argue against too, is this idea that, no, your circumstances make you who you are. You know, you have addiction in your blood. You have pain in your blood. This is who you're going to be like me when you get older. This is how it's going to be. And yeah. a scene I loved, dude, was when his dad goes to the AA meeting and somebody there is talking about you know, like in my understanding of God, I think God gives us the power and the choice to overcome these things, and his dad just completely snaps because he's like, I don't know what fucking book you're reading, but in my book, fucking God is our solution. And because that's that's something that you see pop up in, in AA, speaking from experience in the few meetings I went to back in the day. Um, that people <laughs> In the good old days. <laughs> that people um it's easy for people to sometimes put up their hands and say, well, these are my circumstances and I don't have control over it. So I need to put control over to God. But then when God fails you, where do you go? Yeah. And so I was it was cool to see a character in an AA meeting like that bring up this idea that, okay, maybe you can have an, a different understanding. But for his dad, who has this old school mentality, to completely rail against it because he has sort of given up having control over his situation. Um yeah. And Shia felt like was taking control back with this movie. Yeah,
0: I think that also plays into the idea that there's like a recognition of this nuance too. Because I think that is kind of like what you can see his dad struggling with is that in his mindset, there's really no like nuance. There's no like means. There's only ends. Right. And like, you know, I think that's why he like he didn't want to see. God or religion as a tool that you can use to make yourself better. Yeah. Because he was like, no, God is the better. Like he, he just, he just makes you better. Yeah. There is no like using it, you know, you just pray and that's it. Right. Because it's an easy out. And I think, I think you get the sense too, with how involved he is with um Shia, that he is kind of viewing it as like his life is already over. And that yeah. now, now it's like he, he, he missed his chance and it's his kid's chance, which is funny because it almost sounds altruistic on paper, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's so in practice is so self defeating and ultimately self absorbed that you know he can't recognize that he's still living his life really. Cause, but then every so often when he you know he has to face that truth, he like strikes out yeah. and becomes like physically abusive. Which in that scene where he like the scene with the uh, whatever like the big brother or whatever, yeah, um, was was effective, but. You could see that coming, but then in the later scene where he's just talking, and then all of a sudden he's just like, "Well, you can hit your boss once, you can hit him twice, and then yeah. he just hits him." I was just like,
1: "Brutal!" Like yeah. that
0: really is so effective and just comes out of nowhere. And is, yeah, as is, uh, I, I just uh it's also really interesting to think that you know I could totally I mean this is complete speculation, hypothetical, but you you know you imagine Shia on set being like, yeah, no, my yeah, no, he would do that. Like
1: Yeah, right.
0: You know, there's no argument about like, I don't think your character would really <laughs> right, do this. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Basically Shia directs that movie. <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah. I don't
1: know. Like you have to yeah. imagine. You know what I mean? The director's like, well, I don't know. And Shia's like, nah. <laughs> this is how it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um Exactly. Yeah. I thought that scene was great as well. I thought it was very interesting too that that physical violence his father used physical violence like very sparingly, which obviously you you shouldn't use it at all. But like the abuse was more psychological <laughs> and emotional. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like you don't often see that explored as much in movies about trauma and things that really like it shows the impact that kind of stuff can have long term, even when people and Shia himself don't think it's Shia himself in this movie um, don't think it's enough to to do that. Early on, I thought this was a really funny dark line too, where um, the doctor is like, "I think, I think you have PTSD," and he just goes, "For what?" <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah. it can't even occur to him. Like he knows everything that's happened; it's all there. Yeah, but he just doesn't yeah. have that idea that, like, oh, this could really be everything that's behind it because it's quote unquote not bad enough, and because mm-hmm. oh, I was a famous kid, and da da da. Like coming to grips with the fact that it can affect you that deeply was very interesting to see.
0: Yeah, no, I I think I was surprised with how well it kind of tackled the nuance of a situation like that and just that like it's just so funny how many pieces of media have been made about just the same thing mm. like over and over again and as just as long as it's told well it just like always works. Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. it's you know there's you know a bunch of movies that deal with the idea and like a bunch of anything that deal with the idea of like, you know the classic joke of like not wanting to become your parents, but right. it's like, you know, if it's it's all about delivery. Yeah. <laughs> as we said before. For real. And yeah, I really liked it.
1: Yeah, and like we were saying too about the context being so important to this movie. I think it's another reason that it worked as a as a unique take on it, is that there is that level to it, um, and that dynamic that he set up with this movie that I again, I haven't really seen anything like that before, I don't think. And it completely Avoided the trap of being a gimmick, too, like we were saying. Like, that was my worry. Mm-hmm. Is that, like, okay, are people saying that this is good just because he played his dad? You know, like, is it, like, oh, wow, that's a really cool thing to do. But it's, it really does make the movie better, you know? Yeah. It's not this thing that's, like, oh, this is why it's good. It's, like, this is a way that it is good. Mm-hmm. Um, so That was cool. Yeah, man. Like... And the writing I thought was excellent too. Man, one scene that really got me is when he's on the phone with his mom. I was thinking, Dude, I was wondering oh if man. you were going to
0: say this was the scene because I was thinking the same that thing. That scene
1: really fucked me up.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was really good. It was. I, I love when dialogue can be used in a meta sense. I don't know. It's not really meta, but it's just the way that like that it's the construction of the, like the structure of the dialogue, aside from the dialogue itself is just very effective for that scene where like, not only is what they're saying important, but the fact that he has to repeat everything that one other person is saying, like, it's just like copy dialogue. Yeah. It's just interesting that it's literally the form of it is yeah. so necessary for that scene.
1: Absolutely. Uh, yeah.
0: And it's, impre- it's so impressive. It really, and it dude, lot.
1: for that, that the child actor too, um, Noah, what what Would you say? Noah Jupe? Jupe. Dude, he fucking killed it, especially in that scene. Yeah. Man, because what's so cool about that scene too is that he's able to almost turn off his own emotion to channel his parents' emotion and just takes on this caricature of their emotion. And, you know, they're both too cowardly to just talk to each other. So they make their son do it. And he's like, they're really relying on this kid to be the voice of reason he's just a fucking kid and it's also interesting too i love that in the movie shia's character um otis the character that is shia um says a couple times like that line about like oh well everything's acting and it's just it's so clear that he knows it's just bullshit and like (laughs) that's sort of how that idea developed is this idea that like oh well i'm always i had to put on a show for my parents and da 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 and i like when it very like very clever way like dismantled it when he goes to the woods like his counselor is like just go to the woods and scream for me and then he comes in and he's like he's like oh i just want to just want to thank you so much for that that was just so helpful and he was like are you are you acting right now he's like oh but aren't we all acting and the guy is just like okay are you making fun of me or are you being serious and he's like both both and it's <laughs> yeah, just yeah, I love that, that was a great scenes. performance too because it's both you can see both those sides in him too that it's like it was a release, but at the same time, he's like, why the fuck was this so helpful for me?
0: Yeah, but he also, yeah, doesn't want to like address why it might actually be helpful to him. Yeah, Like just doesn't, yeah, which kind of echoes his dad's behavior of like not wanting to really delve into the nuances of why things work and just wants them to work. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, but yeah I, I really enjoyed it. I don't feel like I have all too much more to say about it, honestly, but.
1: Yeah, I think got most of it. Um, I thought the cinematography was interesting because it was very actor-based, I felt like. There wasn't a lot of really precise cinematography. It was sort of, I don't want to say guerrilla style, but you know what I mean? It was a little like, oh. It was a little guerrilla yeah, style, yeah. not too much. And there still was some really gorgeous, gorgeous composition, which is a hard line sometimes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it almost like was a, had a documentary feel to it. But I liked that it still was like really visually interesting as well at the same time. Because I, I don't always go for that style. I typically do pre- prefer like more precise shot composition. But it really worked for me for some reason in this one. Yeah, there was, I
0: mean, there was nothing really that made me go like, whoa. Yeah, um, that's fair. You know, but it, it was, it was close. It kind of reminded me of like the Safdie brothers a little bit. Mm, or yeah. like um, Son of Saul was just like, it's close. It's very like. It's it's very intimate with the person who's on screen, um, which I usually critique. Yeah. and like definitely, I don't. I'm not sure if it's like a it's a negative for this movie, but you know, there again, like there were, there wasn't any specific shot that really made me feel like wow, a lot of effort went into like all these different moving parts on screen. But yeah. it, it also isn't really a movie like that. It's, it is a very simple and like intimate movie, and um, while I do think you know there could have been a little more to do with like the mise en scene, but like I don't know, it is a story mise about like a pork. Yeah, get out of here. Um, mise on scene. A kid.
1: Yeah, dude, who was pronouncing uh, Jupé a second ago?
0: Valen Valencourt. Noah Jupé. Valencourt. I'm sorry. Mise en v- scene. V- v- Vitali. V- Valencourt. Valencourt. So, anyway, yeah, I don't I don't think that um I needed too much in that department. Would have been nice to have a little like um I'm trying to think Moonlight is another movie that is kind of like that, but I do think is a little better shot and there's a little more going
1: on. Yeah.
0: in a lot of the scenes. I still have, have not you seen Moonlight? no I haven't. Um, dude, you got to watch it. I think I'm going Moonlight. to this Holy week. Shit. I've been
1: back on You should. I've been like I said, I've been back on that movie train. So, um I'm popped that one yeah. on. Yeah, people keep recommending yeah, it one. and I know I will like it, so um yeah, I did I watched a scene from it for um my screenwriting class and I liked the scene a lot. So I was I was interested. And yeah, just from that scene, I can see what you mean. It's like not quite shaky Cam, but it's like slightly unsteady yeah. Cam.
0: <laughs> but but I can remember a few scenes in that movie where I really did feel like like wow, like that they did a good Yeah. They did a good job.
1: Yeah, because I in the, that scene alone, I think it's like the crux of the movie or something, but they're like in the which, ocean. Which scene is it? They're in the ocean.
0: Yeah, that's the one I'm yeah. thinking of. Yeah. And it's
1: because cu- it, it it works like somewhat symbolically because it keeps dipping underneath the water with the camera and like, so they do yeah. they do use it in the world in that way Yeah, in that movie from the one scene I've seen, but colors look good too. It's got
0: some interesting editing choices too that are, I, there's one scene in particular that's actually really artsy and Evangelion-esque. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, there you go. There's a one. We can edit in a little ding sound effect. We'll get the Evangelion <laughs> ding in there. What, what, uh, what would you give it out of ten? Um, or whichever rating you'd prefer. If you maybe. want to do like stars no. or circles or stripes, out of ten stars and stripes, out of baby. ten,
1: always. I think I would give it uh, an eight and a half. Nice. Yeah,
0: I think I would give it a seven and a half to maybe an eight. Interesting. Probably an eight. Yeah. I think the only thing pulling it down is is some of some of these scenes in the fast forward I didn't like as much, and you know now that we're talking about it a little more, I do feel like I wish there was a little more going on with the cinematography. But other yeah. than that, That's I, I think the acting is great. Yeah, I think the acting is honestly the strong point of the movie.
1: I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. I think the story, the script, the acting was so good that I'm like almost willing to overlook some of the. I just feel like it really did carry a lot of it. You know? Yeah.
0: I mean it also it also helps that it's not like when you you know, it's not like you would be overlooking anything that was outwardly bad about the cinematography. Right. It's just kinda it's just like vanilla. Right. It just kinda conveys the story, but it doesn't uh doesn't necessarily like it doesn't use the medium as much as I would like most films to. Yeah, I, guess, it, it, I suppose.
1: It's just not a lot I think what they do is effective, but there's just not a lot of variety. I think that's the main yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a I lot agree. of the same techniques which works, but I'm I'm with you there. Uh, I think that's I think that's fair. Cool. Yeah, but that was a fun little week. It was, yeah. I think I I'm enjoyed it. I'm surprised I remembered those things from those movies. It's been yeah, a minute really. since I've watched them. I've got fucking Lara Croft, Tomb Raider on the brain. That just kind of wipes it. You know what I mean? Deep in the folds.
0: Yeah. yeah, oh, 100%. Some mind bleach. Dude,
1: crazy thing about that movie is that Daniel Craig's softcore shower scene is arguably longer than Angelina Jolie's softcore shower scene. <laughs> That surprised me genuinely. Wow, I didn't know Daniel Craig was Yeah, in yeah, he's like that, the villain slash also her lover all of a sudden. Interesting,
0: because that movie was in like 2002, wasn't it? I think 2001. so, yeah. I didn't know Daniel Craig was doing stuff then.
1: I didn't either. I didn't even know it was him. He looks way different. Yeah. Yeah, but that was, that was interesting right. to me, because the first one happens about five minutes into the movie, Angelina Jolie's um yeah, that, shower that scene. that makes sense. And... I I kind of wish they had waited. You know what I mean? Because I feel like I was <laughs> anticipating it, right? And then it happened, right? And I wasn't upset about it, but I feel like it's, it's not sort a of um, it's sort of climaxed early. Oh, you know what I mean? Gosh, you know what I mean? And then they do another. Dude, what about our another. female Derricks? <laughs> <laughs> then they do another shower scene, and they start at foggy. So you think it's Angelina Jolie, and then it's Daniel Craig, and now you're confused about your sexuality.
0: I heard that they actually digitally uh, superimposed Angelina Jolie's thighs on Daniel Craig's body. I heard if
1: you look at that scene through a sniper scope, you can actually see (laughs) Daniel Craig's cock.
0: (laughs) Only on the special edition. (laughs) Um, Anyway. Anyway, yeah, good movies. Nate, Um, what are you looking to look at for next week?
1: All right, Tyler, so for next week, um, I'm going to choose The Firm, which is a movie I know nothing about, but it has Tom Cruise, who is one of the greatest actors of all time. He's been in the Mission Impossible series. I don't know if you've heard of that.
0: Uh, no. Why, why would they make a movie about an impossible mission?
1: Well, that's the crazy part, dude, is that Tom Cruise is able to make it possible. You know how we were talking about like the context of, um, of Honey Boy? Like, you can't separate it from the art? Yes. You can't separate the stunts that Tom Cruise pulls in Mission Impossible From the name Mission Impossible. Dude, did you know? You know the tallest building in the world in Dubai? I chose Sin City. In Dubai, Dubai, bro? The tallest building in the world. He ran on it with the harness. I
0: saw that. Dude. That's pretty sick. It's impossible. So I chose Sin City, which is a movie I've been meaning to watch for a very long time, but never have because it's, you know... I think it used to be on Netflix and then I was like, oh, I'll watch that. And then one day it just went off of Netflix because Netflix doesn't announce these things very publicly, which is super cool. Thanks, Netflix. Um, But yeah, then now it's on Netflix. So uh, you too can watch it with us, viewer, if you would like. Cool.
1: Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Hey, this is the first episode we had proper audio hardware. And proper brain uh, function. Yeah, dude. Yeah, this is like night and day. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it really this is, is just so it, much this more, is so much easier, just more enjoyable too. Um, yeah, it's not like just a fucking thing. But um, yeah, not that the other episodes were, guys. We're here for you. No, I'm we sure you guys are huge
0: fans of the <laughs> other ones too. I'm sure, but, but yeah, I can't wait for this to be good now.
1: Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> but hey, guys, thanks for thanks thanks for hanging in. Um, email us at talkytalkcast.com at gmail.com. Let us know what your favorite Mission Impossible movie is and the craziest stunt that Tom Cruise has done that you like a lot. All right. Talk to you guys later. Thanks, guys. Bye.